building anything, even for a short period of time, is just incredible, man. So exhilarating. Building and having equity and ownership, there's nothing like it. Many of the skills, if not all the skills that I learned in building replay, I'm, I'm carrying with me today. So it's just, it's a super, super powerful exercise to build anything. I would implore any young person to think about building something, whatever that is. Welcome to Passion Fruit. I'm your host, Jeff Keel, and my goal with this podcast is to uncover how to live out a passion-led life. The Passion Fruit Podcast is a part of Lumity Media Productions. Lumity is an educational media company creating and facilitating engaging content. Lumity offers a social education mobile app for both knowledge and inspiration. Build out your learning community with those who share your interests and elevate your content consumption experience through insightful recommendations. Join Lumity today to learn and grow both personally and as a collective. My guest today is someone very close to me. McKay Lowry is someone I consider a best friend, a brother, a teammate, a business partner, and so much more. It's not every day you find someone as aligned as we are with the same passion of living out a mission-based life. I was extremely thankful to have met McKay seven or so years ago, and our friendship has resulted in some of the most growth I could have ever imagined. It's difficult to put into words just how much it means to call him one of my closest friends. His charisma, big smile, contagious laugh, and horrible dance moves define McKay more than any accomplishment ever could, though there are plenty of those as well. Former college athlete with a brief stint in the NFL, McKay has seamlessly translated his skills on the field to off the field. From selling tax-advantaged investments to the world's biggest advisors, exploring the entrepreneurial world with a sports coaching app, to present day as a financial advisor, he continues to excel in everything he does. Just about everything he touches turns to gold. McKay could have just as easily been one of the first guests, but I wanted to save this conversation for in person to make it all the more special. In this conversation, we'll explore lessons learned from five years of college football, what it means to bet on yourself, and the power of community. I'm extremely excited for this conversation, and if all goes to plan, the next one to two hours will provide you with a glimpse of what I've been fortunate enough to have instilled upon me the last seven years. So without further ado, live from New York, part two, McKay Lowry. Good intro. Great intro. Yes, sir. Thanks. The dance moves, that's that's up for debate, but thanks for all the other nice stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So... Something about you that's been consistent as far as I can remember, whether it was Camille at Bentley, some of the other people we've interacted with, and even up to the point of me staying with you in this apartment. Why is it so important for you to know the names of and show the utmost kindness and respect to those that serve you, whether it's maintenance workers, janitors, cashiers, etc.? It's a cool question. Camille, the, the lunch woman at Bentley, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I hadn't thought about her in a long time. Just generally wanting to have a relationship with people, particularly those who are in your life every day. You know, like our our doorman that we walk past multiple times a day, Mm -hmm. our lunch lady that we walk past and lets us through for lunch multiple times a week. Um, Just feels really awkward to me to be walking past somebody 
and not say hello and if you do it enough times not to say their name and create some sort of relationship i love people i love relationships the more i can have the better so that's that's how i think about saying hello and asking for people's names the more friends you have the better agreed yeah agreed definitely. and where did this value come from have you been this way it's a good question certainly my parents you know my mom and my dad my dad says hello to everybody i think really just wanting to to have as many friends as possible and just be super respectful i think most importantly mm -hmm. knowing folks names particularly people that serve you know their names appreciate what they do not only will they appreciate that they'll serve you better so selflessly it'll benefit you in some way uh, but i think it's probably always been a part of me when i was a maybe a younger smugger more arrogant person maybe not but i think when you have any sense of wanting to be respected yourself but then knowing how to respect people you're kind to everybody no yeah i think just you as an individual like the definition of a people person <laughs> yeah yeah right <laughs> Right. And, but yeah, like, like you said, just the respect element, these people are serving you every yeah, day. Like totally. the least you could do is, is know their name and greet them by their name. And the least you could do, especially when probably most folks don't. So it takes people like you and I to maybe pick up the slack. That's the way I think about it. Yeah. And for you, I've been doing prep for a little bit, but I didn't have an opening question. And then when I started staying here and seeing the way you greet those guys yeah, sure. downstairs sure. i was just like damn that's that's the yeah. one that's yeah right the one. right i don't it's hard i like being served i guess it's not a love language of mine being served or like acts of service so i don't love when people as we've chatted about i don't thank you for holding the door for me but you know i don't need it and i don't feel like uh, i i don't want people to think particularly people in service like oh you know this kid is demanding or asking of me so i try to make it more relational and yeah, sure. Max coming in, I'll hold the door for him versus like, hey, this is a client or a tenant. Like, right. hold the do door. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned how much you love people and just building relationships with people. What do relationships mean to you and what do you love most about people? It's a good question. Relationships, I think, are everything. I think that's life. You know, what's the meaning of life? I think my answer is to build and have meaningful relationships. What do I like most about people? Um, it's probably people's energy. Again, selfishly, I'm an extrovert. I'm energized by other people. So the fact that people, one person, two people, many people can give off such energy. I, I love that about folks, you know, about people versus an inanimate object that doesn't give off energy mm -hmm. uh, and that you can't receive energy and, you know, give and take energy from others. I think that's what I most appreciate about people. And I think in that same vein, people create love, people give love, people share and show love. That's, that's what I love most about people. And I love the resiliency of people. Now that I think about it, I think you and I share, talk about that quite a bit. We were biking through Central Park today. Actually, this was on my way home, and I saw a gentleman in one of those sitting down riding bikes with no legs, just ripping through Central Park. I'm just so amazed and in awe by the resiliency of people, of humans. So many people have such hard lives, 
but continue to push through and have such hard circumstances and things that have happened in their lives, but continue to push. That's probably what, if I don't love most about people, I'm most amazed about people. It's just their sense of resiliency mm -hmm. and how resilient humans are. Yeah. You see a lot of, a lot of that out in New York too. Totally. Totally in New York. Everywhere you look. Yeah. Just a bunch of <laughs> yeah, tough grinders. people. Yeah, tough people. Um, yeah, we were actually talking about it last night. Just like the personality yeah. of New York. Yep. And I think that defines it. Would you consider yourself an empath? Have you ever thought about that? An empath? Yeah. I haven't heard the term. Hopefully, I'm not mis uh, misinterpreting it. But it's when you feel. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know the discrepancy between an empath and an extrovert, in which okay. you get energy from others. But an empath, you feel so okay. you can just be next to somebody have no prior relations with them and you know what they're going through interesting okay. maybe at some level but probably not any better than anybody else somebody's crying certainly i can see that they're coming through <laughs> uh, but probably not better than anybody else or that i know of okay it's cool though i'd like i'll do some reading on that yeah, yeah. it's uh I don't know if I am either necessarily, but as I've gotten in, more in touch with myself and my emotions yeah. and through some psychedelic experiences, sure. I've become far more in tune with yeah. the feelings and energy of others just by being around them. My sister-in-law is probably an empath. Mm. I'll have to yeah, ask you her. Mentioned, you yeah, mentioned she's her. so emotionally intelligent. So I'm imagining just by looking at somebody, she can probably tell you exactly what they're going through. Yeah. So I'll ask, I'll ask her. <laughs> so in the spirit of, in, in community, of community and people, something you and I have worked on together, figuring out, mapping through this idea of, of a summit, yep. bringing people together. But I want to hear, like, I have my own interpretation. We've had our conversations, but I do want to hear from your point of view and explain to the listeners sure. what your thought is behind it. So bringing like-minded a players in the same room together but but what is that what is the idea of building a community-based meetup mean sure so for the viewers a bit of context the idea of the summit originated from my reading of the third door which you've read and you remember sammy mcdonald shout out sammy <laughs> lent me this book i forget if he had read it or maybe he hadn't read it or he thought it looked good on a shelf but in this book which is written by a student at University of Southern California. And the premise is he's just going to interview a bunch of the top business moguls, icons, successful operators, founders, leaders, and see what the common threads are. Uh, and throughout the course of his interviewing, over the course of several months, a handful of years, he gets invited to this summit in Aspen, Colorado. He walks into the weekend having no expectations, really having no idea what the weekend was about, who was going to be there, what he was doing there. Uh, and then he quickly realizes this was really just a meetup of some of the most successful people in their respective industries and in their respective verticals and simply sharing what they're doing, what they're working on, how they've succeeded, where they've failed. And in my opinion, how I interpret it, just being teammates and being a former athlete, particularly a football player where you're part of a really big team, that's how I think about building anything is often you need teammates, whether you're building independently of your three or four best friends or your three or four highest achieving friends, 
ultimately can you, you can come together and share great ideas here where they're winning maybe just importantly here how and why they're losing so maybe those aren't mistakes that you have to make so that's where the summit originated you and i were the perfect partners to run at it of course last year being our first summit weekend where we brought 12 guys together ultimately 10 12 guys yeah I think it was yeah after some missed flights and things, <laughs> who knows yeah um just a great weekend 72 hours of hey what are you doing how are you doing it why are you doing it what can you share with me and i'll share with you and figuring out how to get particularly guys who at sometimes can be hard to get on the same page get on the same page uh, and filling a room with like you said a players uh, is really important building together building something was the thought yeah and i think the more weekends we can do like that the better the more big dinners, the more idea shares, the more whiteboard sessions with people who are really doing things and building and executing and operating, the better. Agreed. Yeah, and we even did one small one. Yeah. That's the main reason I booked the the trip. Obviously, there's been a lot of other things worked in, this podcast being yep. one of them. But and even at that such a small scale of just a dinner with yeah. eight guys, yeah, the conversations that were had were right. I took a lot of away from totally. from Alex from Martin, totally. And so it's really powerful what that can do. Gosh, yeah, to bring in big thinkers in, right into the same room and yep. same place. Totally. And longer tables is a concept and idea that I love. I read a piece on a wall at a coffee shop a bunch of summers ago which is maybe kind of corny, but effectively the idea was building shorter fences or no fences and longer tables, having more people to your table. So you and I love doing you know, big dinners, community dinners, family style dinners, completely rip down the fence, have everyone come over and just keep stretching the table, having as many people as you want sitting at the table, I think is super important. Yeah. And, and to your point about us partnering at, I do think it it made a lot of sense. Yeah, just, totally. <laughs> both love people and the idea of with Lumity, it's you know, there is that sense of inspiration that we're trying right. to spread and the relationships yep. and elongating the table. Yeah, it was yeah a no brainer partnership. Yeah, and, um, definitely. And we've had our things that we need to figure out yep. and logistics to coordinate and all right. that, but it's it's still fun. Totally, and it's totally very rewarding. Definitely. And it works right alongside, to your point, all that you're building with Lumity. An app, and Ian said this, so Ian, I'm taking this from you, but an app for knowledge and inspiration. I get inspired by others more often than not, and I learn from others mm -hmm. more often than not. So when it's on an app on your phone, fantastic. It's super accessible, but when you can do it in person, yeah, even better. And you can share energy and share emotion with people. Yeah, super, super impactful. No doubt. So just kind of thinking overall about where we're at, what we're doing, I was doing some reflection and nice. Yeah. I mean, first of all, Lumity. So Lumity, for those that don't know, this is a little fun fact about the company. Mr. McKay came up with the name, right? Yep. <laughs> which stands for learning community. And yep. again, that's exactly what, what I'm trying to embody. And the summit also brings that to light in person right. and also thinking about it. The last time I was in New York was a year and a half ago. Right. And it was my birthday, but it was also when I officially launched Lumity. 
And oh wow, cool. Yeah, I posted cool. on Instagram. We were walking through the streets of New York. Dope. And here we are a year and a half later, really seeing some yeah. things come together, making some moves. So do you remember your the first time you told Rachel and I, me and Rachel about Lumity? Yeah, the Nana Marie Island. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at Rachel's condo. At the crib, and I think you walked in, we were mid-dinner, and you said, guys, I got it. You know, I, got, <laughs> I got the next idea. It's going to change the world, and it certainly will. Yeah. Um, but that was pretty neat. I think maybe, speaking of Sammy Mack, I think he made he, Sammy Mack was that there. weekend. Yeah, he was there. Uh, who's a fantastic guy to, to have listened to things like that, because he can be skeptical and give great ideas. Morgan was down there, mm-hmm. who's an amazing builder, operator, marketer. So that was a pretty, that was a cool weekend to get a bunch of different folks ideas on it pretty quickly. It was, yeah, that was cool. It was. Yeah, yeah. Cause she's in the startup world. So yeah, yeah. the marketing side of things and, but yeah, so it's, it's really all come full circle and yeah, obviously, obviously you've been one of the biggest sounding boards and yep. yeah, in, involved in Lumity and yeah. appreciate all the, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, shifting a little bit, but also it's, they're not, they're not too, too far apart from each other relationships have obviously played a very big role in your time but mm-hmm. or in your life and a lot of those have stemmed from football sure something that's been a part of your life yep. for pretty much all of it and has shaped you to be the man that you are i'll share a little anecdote before i get into the question but just okay. when i think about you as a football player and just reflect on our time together bentley is just energy again inspiring passionate just happy to be there happy to be in the room and that's actually what i mean you know this but i don't know if you like really know this but that's the only reason i committed to bentley sure um came in on my visit and i think sammy mack was technically my host yeah and so but it was like a tuesday night and like funny night for an official yeah it was it was in the spring but right but and a lot of people look at, at visits as partying and right. going out and stuff, but all I cared about at that time was football. Oh. And it was my favorite fucking visit that I ever did because cool. it was us. It was me, you, Sammy. I, th- I think Keith was there, maybe Sean. For sure. Marty, Every, maybe. Yeah, Marty was there a little bit. And we were just sitting in the room watching film, <laughs> watching highlight tapes, watching games from last yeah, year, and talking about how we're going to win the NU 10. Cool. And I was like, damn, this is because you had just transferred in too. You had yep. done the spring with them. But yeah, it was a very exciting time. I was like, damn, this I, I didn't have that right. at Davidson. Just guys focused on on ball. And yeah, it was, re- it was really powerful. So again, to now be sitting in this room, yeah. as far as we've wow. come from that point and mindsets and opinions on everything yeah. have changed. But a little bit of a flashback. To that was that eight days. years ago. Yeah, it was 20. It was... Spring of 2016, so seven. Okay. Coming up on eight. Um, with all that being said, and again, your your passion and love for the sport, what does, slash maybe more so did, the game mean to you? At that point in life, everything. Because <laughs> to your yep. point, that's where I think I now answered that question earlier. What's life today? Relationships at that point in life. Football, but football was relationships. You had 100 of your your best homies on the team. Football is such a powerful force. Athletics in general, uh, or athletics that anybody's taking seriously, such a powerful force. 
because it teaches you it's a microcosm for life as corny as that sounds but work really hard get punched in the face get back up have some really high moments have some really low lows feel good about your teammates feel not so good about your teammates be loved by your coaches and bosses be hated benched by your coaches and bosses so <laughs> just every emotion under the sun you feel while competing playing football a uh, part of a program i just love ball and wanted to play for as long as i could I think part of that was driven by, hey, I wanted my name in lights, you know, wanted to make huge money. A little ego. Yeah, a little ego for sure. Probably more than even today that I'm comfortable admitting. But ultimately, I, I love ball. Mm -hmm. Love throwing a football and love being around teammates in a locker room. I love having energy and love being in a place where you can yell and scream. And that's part of the game, you know. So I miss it. But more than anything, because I miss the dudes in the locker room. I miss the camaraderie, of course, you know, the dudes in the locker room, but I miss the camaraderie of the 5 a.m. workouts, pushing really hard, both physically and emotionally. I love to push myself physically and emotionally. So having to do that is really nice, but then getting to do it with a hundred of your best homies, especially at Bentley, where it was such an amazing group of guys, really an amazing group of dudes, it was so awesome. Football was everything. That was the goal. And as a young person, when you're trying to figure stuff out to have a really constant goal in your life, or just to, you know, to have a constant in your life, like football mm -hmm. felt really good. You were chasing, we were striving towards something together. And yeah, football was everything, dude. <laughs> Watch football five nights a week. Watched as many quarterbacks, film, tape, whatever you want to call it as I could. Didn't ultimately have the career that I would have written in the stars or had in dreams, but couldn't have asked probably for a better, uh, for a better bunch of stops more than anything to have met a bunch of amazing dudes. So I'm super grateful for what football's meant in my life for sure. And now working, but building something and, and now having a life outside of football, again, just teaches just so many amazing lessons about work hard, working hard, perseverance, being resilient, being a good teammate. Football's an amazing, amazing <laughs> game. Amazing game. Yeah. And you talked about too, the, just like loving the grind. Yeah. Loving the grind. Man. It, it always blew my mind. People that hated camp. Right. Yeah. And I, and camp fucking sucks for sure. Like it's a grind. It's a toll, but at the end of the day, you're, chilling you're surrounded by your best friends yep. and all you're doing is playing ball yeah 24 7 football no school no anything else no one else on campus you're just yeah with the boys playing no spending money no spending money can't look good after you know, four weeks of cafeteria food right not having to spend up yeah it was I, those like i've i loved camp oh yeah camp. best time of the year man camp. best time of the year it's a little bit easier for a quarterback than most maybe <laughs> yeah um, not as many yeah right <laughs> Connor Peck might be thinking differently, <laughs> banging heads 50 times a day, but it was such a fun time. Yeah. Such a fun time. And so you had a very unique journey to even get to Bentley where we played. Yep. So out of high school, BC, then Rhode Island, Pearl River in Mississippi, yep. finally to Bentley. What stands out to you the most throughout that journey? What stands out the most? It's a good question. During those five years, 
I was always a little self-conscious about having transferred a bunch of times because generally the stigma when you transfer is this guy he was a flame out or he couldn't make it. Coaches didn't like him. Teammates didn't like him or he failed off of school or got kicked off the team. Of course, that was never the case. So part of the learning curve in those three or four years is like, can't care about what anybody's saying. Nobody knows the situation, particularly your personal situation or the situation inside the locker room. So it's important for me to learn. And I'm not sure I learned it well ever until maybe today when I still tell people, yeah, I went to 12 schools. Right? <laughs> I, I transferred it. Um, but that was, you know, that was certainly something I had to learn pretty quickly. Hey, why'd you leave? You left Boston College. You know, why'd you leave? Or you left University of Rhode Island to go to a junior college in Mississippi. Or then you went to Bentley, Division II school. Why'd you do that? So that's when I first, I think, started to realize so many folks are going to have opinions, generally uneducated opinions about your specific situation. Can't worry about it. Can't let it affect you. Uh, again, it does often and it weighs on you, but it's just useless weight try to wash it off as quickly as you can. But I feel super fortunate to have played at four different schools. I have friends and groups of friends from each different school. We're getting married next summer and there will be at least one or two teammates from each college. I think aside from maybe Pro River, uh, just because I don't want to ask those guys to come all the way up from Mississippi. Um, but Man, I met so many great people uh, along the way and had some pretty unique experiences. Junior college was, was super unique. Getting to spend six months in Mississippi, would have never done that at any other point in life. So that was a really, that was a powerful experience. Hard, hard when it was happening, but feel really good now about having done it. You just learn lots, especially when you're in different programs. You have different bosses, you have different teammates, different coworkers, you name it. Uh, I think ultimately everything happens for a reason, and I'm super glad I ended up at Bentley. You and I wouldn't have met, wouldn't have met Martin, wouldn't have met Sammy Mack. I mean, three of my best friends today, Chewy, Slatsy, all these guys, um, Slogar, Drew. I mean, there's, yeah, I'm forgetting hard, way too many names. Name. Well, yeah, all these dudes, man. Yeah, yeah. Because and the transfer process is hard. It's not yeah. an easy one to. I mean, you got to learn a new offense. Yep. And you actually have to like do the field work, but also just to get comfortable and totally. Yeah. I learned probably six different offenses in five years, <laughs> probably never learned one very well uh, and really different offenses. Even at Bentley, we were there for what, four semesters. we learned three different offenses. So that was the most challenging part about probably playing is a lack of continuity, but that's life. You get really lucky getting to play in one one system for three or four years and you don't always appreciate that if you when you're watching guys on tv and yeah he got to play in the same offense for four years straight you know not a lot of guys don't there's a lot of of course dynamics in college football coaches are changing players are leaving but getting to play in one system is pretty cool but also getting to learn a bunch of different systems is pretty cool i can't speak to too much of your time at bc nor rhode island but just knowing you and my experience with you, what's pretty amazing is you've always, you always ended up finding yourself into a leadership role, sure, commanding the room. And part of that comes with the position you play. Quarterbacks yep. are the leaders of the team, but I think you especially embodied that. And it just seems to be just part of your core person, a very vivid memory. We're sitting in 
one of the conference rooms. I forget the name of it. And it's the leadership committee meeting. Okay. And oh, yeah. nice. we're sitting there talking about leadership and talking about really accountability mm-hmm. and, and holding each other accountable. And you saying, I don't care if it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. I'm going to bring yeah. the best out of somebody. I'm going to bring the best out of you. I'm going to call you out on your shit. If you're fucking up, I'm going to hold you accountable to make sure that you're the best. And I hope that you do the same for me. Right. And I just really appreciated that because it's the hard truths are not, they're hard truths for a reason. They're right. not easy to, to tell people, but that was something that you, you really embodied. And then also, like I said, you held yourself sure. to a high standard. Sure. With all that being said, how do you define leadership? It's mm. a good question. Leading from the front is a term that I think about often as it relates to leadership. Can't ask people to do things that you're not going to do yourself. You know, can't ask people to push past their limits if you're not going to push past your own limits. I think to me, that's the most simplistic way to think about leadership is as a leader, you want people to follow you and people generally only follow good examples. So if you're setting a bad example, then you're no leader on the field, off the field, in the classroom, do what you're asking of others, really that simple. And then you have to execute, obviously, which is the hardest part, maybe. But leadership is being a great teammate, but leading from the front, I think. And particularly in a college locker room, you're the conduit or the mouthpiece often between the head coach and the rest of the team. So that's an important role. But ultimately, be the shining example of what you want all 100 guys in the team to look like. If you're going to talk about it, be about it. I think really that simple. Yeah, I had that written down as a descriptor for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think just looking back at our time, weight room, always working hard, loud, encouraging guys. Right. And encouragement. Yeah, that's a great sort of question. I think that's integral to being a leader. Different leaders are different. They do things in their own ways. Not everyone's vocal. But being encouraging one way or another, I think is super important as a leadership, as a leader and holding people accountable. Like you said, you're a bad teammate if you're not holding others accountable and you're not telling them what they need to hear. Hey, you've missed this block three times in a row now. You're either not in your playbook or you're not repping the right steps. Make this block so Martin or you can pop this, you know, that's what's best for the team. Like we need that. But leadership is also about understanding how folks react to being held accountable. And that's hard. You might be able to take a little, you know, harder, harsher language versus somebody else may not be. But that's, that's a pretty unique part of being leadership, but that's also relationships. You know, I was just about to say it, yeah. it all goes back to relationships, knowing people totally understanding right how they respond to, right to different things. So, yeah, it's, it's obviously going to be a common theme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, where are you a leader in your life right now? It's a good question. In our home, Rachel and I's home, we both, I think, are uh, leaders 
she's amazing, as you know, in so many ways, and certainly doesn't need me and certainly doesn't need me to lead her own life, but I take it upon myself. You're my wife. I'm going to, I'm going to lead us. I'm going to get us right. So that's where, that's what I'm focusing on most today. And I'm still learning how she likes to be led or needs to be led. Uh, and I'm, I should tell you, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm far from perfect. There's lots of learning still to be done after four years. But, but as she'll also tell you, if I feel really strongly about something, I'm going to let her know. And we're going to, we'll chat about it, certainly, but I'm going to let her know respectfully. Again, it's all about the delivery. Uh, but that's where, that's my most important leadership role today. Leader, leading the home. Love it. Yeah. Sticking to football and the many lessons that we can take away. What are one to two key things, whether it's skills, attributes, just overall lessons that you've taken from your playing days into your day-to-day life now? Work super hard, I think, as easy as that sounds or as low-hanging fruit as that is to answer your question. That's number one. You know, I, I learned hard work playing football and being an athlete, but but playing football, I learned hard work and I still need to work hard, want to work hard. I, so I would say that's what football taught me more than anything. And again, we keep coming back to, but how to, how to be a good teammate, you know, cause being a good teammate extends so much further than just a athletic field. Um, being a good partner is, is being a teammate, being a, good friend as being a teammate, being a good colleague as being a teammate. I like to think about people as teammates more than anything else, like teammates in life. Rachel and I, we joke and we're each other's favorite teammates. So hard work and how to be a, be a good teammate. And then yes for two, but maybe the third would be how to be coached. I think we as college athletes got really lucky. We had a boss for four or five years. And then when you jumped in the work world, you had a boss, you had a manager. And understanding that dynamic and that relationship, I think is, it was powerful practice. So not only how to lead, but then how to receive leadership and be coached, be coachable. Yeah, that's real. I haven't necessarily thought too much about that being a coachable aspect, but we, and everyone has room for improvement on being able to take coaching and but yeah, we did get that experience yeah, versus totally. people that go straight into the working yeah. the workforce and get reamed out by right. their boss and have no idea how right. to take it. We got we reamed yeah. out quite a bit totally. for five years. We're we're used to getting cussed out totally for the, the most minor thing. Sure. <laughs> I Lots remember of one of my coach my O line coach at Davidson, man, he man, he would go crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Which I don't think is the right answer or the right solution no, no, most no, no, times. No. <laughs> Some of these young kids, you know, you get a you get in a freshman's face a time or two, that's okay. But most times you don't need to be yelling in somebody's face. Agreed. Uh, but it happens, frankly, more often than not, and still happens in the work world, which I think is crazy. Yeah. But and it prepare it just prepares yeah, you. Yeah, it prepares, prepares you for the grind of life, yep. the difficulties of life and the grind of life, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right, so last last real question on this, but I, it's something we haven't dove too deeply in. And when you sort of made the decision, 
I I was very surprised. So you had the practice squad opportunity with Washington, did that, and then post that you had some other opportunities. I don't know if it was the XFL. Yes, I think it was the USFL, San Diego. But yeah, so you had some some opportunities to continue to play mm-hmm. to continue your career. But you made the decision to hang up hang up the cleats yep. and get into the the corporate world. So what went into that decision and how hard was it to officially say goodbye to the game? It's a good question. I think I got lucky based on a couple different based on circumstance, but yeah, I got, you know, let go by the Washington football team. The Redskins <laughs> do that. That was uh, June uh of eighteen. And then almost immediately had one or two calls uh, after that, but nothing materialized. Then almost immediately started work. Within weeks, started work and enjoyed work. And the thought was, hey, I'm going to keep training, which I was, but also work. You know, it was pretty opportunity. It was a pretty good opportunity just to get just to get working. I then got promoted within a couple months to a to a to a great opportunity. I was working on the desk that I had interned with and for a couple of summers prior, and I knew this was a pretty neat opportunity. The AAF was the league that oh, the uh, that was that predated, at that point, the XFL and then even the, the USFL. So I got an opportunity to go play with, in San Diego with Mike Martz, who, if you don't know, Mike Martz was the OC with the Rams when they were the greatest show on turf. So I, so I thought, man, this is a really cool opportunity to go play for what I thought at that point would have been the best offensive mind, offensive coordinator to be around, but I just didn't get great vibes from the league from an ops perspective. Uh, I just thought, okay, this, this feels a little bit weird. I didn't get drafted. They did have a draft, so they had some formalized draft, but then this, the signing process just it felt a little iffy and I had this really good opportunity, kind of bird in the hand type of deal. Like, man, do I really want to give this up? And I think ultimately I would have and should have if I felt confident in my ability to go play. And I think at that point, I just didn't I remember chatting with Mike Ritchie and he made, he probably wouldn't even remember this call, but we were chatting. I was outside of South station. I remember very vividly, uh, South station in Boston <laughs> after a day of work. Uh, it was my first day on the job on this new sales desk that I was on literally the first day on the job and eight thirty, nine o'clock, whatever. I get a call from Mike Martz. They offered me, you know, contract. It, but he left a voicemail for me and it was, you know, it just, it was such an amazing or interesting moment. Again, first day on the job within like an hour to get a, another opportunity. And I just didn't jump at it. My gut didn't say, oh my gosh, this is what I've been waiting for. Uh, and then ultimately I wasn't confident enough in my ability to go play really well and then even get a real shot. And I don't know, man, again, I remember telling Richie on the phone, I just don't know if I can go play. And I could have, I think, but I was telling myself I couldn't, so I didn't. And I think that was probably the right decision. The league folded, you know, like four <laughs> weeks after. And the rest is history. But yeah, it was a it was a tough decision. I'm, it's not even something that I think about often. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Tough, yeah, sure, it was a tough decision at the time. It's not something I think about. Like I said, I made it made the decision just went full speed ahead afterwards. I do remember laughing. The San Diego team that I would have played for, who knows if I would have been playing or starting, 
first week of the year, they were the first game being played. And I just remember the quarterback, a uh, kid who played at Arizona State, was a really good player at Arizona, at Arizona State. Took one of the biggest hits I'd ever seen. I was like, man, that could have been me. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah sitting in the yeah. chair. Like, yeah. Yeah, my body feels fine. Yeah, yeah, I feel okay. <laughs> yeah. But with all that said, I, if, if I could have, I would have played in, in the NFL as long as I could. But um, there was another plan. So. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds too, you didn't want to commit to something that you weren't fully bought into. I think so. Yeah. It's a good way to summarize it. And I, and that's a pretty important subject or, or concept. We talked, I talked about it with Griffin on our episode yeah. too, about good being the enemy of great. And right. sometimes things seem like this idealistic opportunity, right? but it just, if it just doesn't feel right, right. then you just got to trust that intuition right? and let the chips fall where they may. Let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. But yeah, I, w I was pretty, I remember back in the day, I was like, damn, really? Like Max just giving it up? Like, yeah. Damn. Yeah. But again, in retrospect, it, it worked yeah. out well. <laughs> and, and at that time too, I was still like bitter about my football experience. Sure. So I was like, damn, if I could still be playing. Yeah. Like, right. I definitely right. Still, but yeah. I don't know, man. Own path. I had no regrets in life, but should I, you know, do I think about, I think, Again, as a young person, you probably don't have the scope, and I'm still a young person, but you know, four or five years ago, didn't maybe have the scope that I would have now. Like, hey, if I told my manager, let me see if I can go play a couple more weeks of ball, uh, they may have been okay. I may not have been working, and they may have, you know, whatever, but I may have had an opportunity to come back. I think I was maybe worried about having a pretty good opportunity in hand and, and giving that up. Um, but who yeah. knows? The grass isn't always greener. Yeah, the grass so is gotta, certainly not always greener. Like you said, you could have gotten rocked on national. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Which I did, you know, took that. Yeah. I had that plenty of times. Uh, so, yeah, so kind of shifting gears into more of the working world, but still sports related. You, had, you did about a year and a half with, with replay. Yep. Um, and that was your, to my, to my knowledge, your first experience with the startup entrepreneur mm -hmm. world. How did it feel to work on something that was truly your own? You had a couple co-founders as yeah. well, but the first thing that was like yep. yours. Amazing. Life-changing. Absolutely life-changing in so many ways and felt really competitive. I remember my really good buddy, Charlie Callanan, who had been building for a couple of years at that point, told me, Mac, you're going to love this. It's as close to competitive sports as you'll ever get. And that was the truth because particularly when there's only three of you, me and my two co-founders, nobody's doing anything for you. Just like nobody's going to lift that, that weight. No one's doing anything for you when, when you, when you're running, uh, you know, on a lean team of three. So that was really cool. Making decisions fast, learning fast, pivoting, iterating was all just so much fun and, and knowing that you truly, you know, had ownership. And you know, again, you called the shots, you made the decisions, was just exhilarating. And you wanted to work, you wanted to continue to work. And again, I did it for, I was an operator for a short time, but I now see why these guys like Musk and Zuck and all these amazing founders work 20 hours a day. It's addicting. Um, in not always the best way. You know, I think I told you I was probably as unhealthy at that point in life physically as I'd ever been 
particularly because I was still a nine to five worker, but it's exhilarating to work on something your own and that you truly control the outcome. Cause that's like sports, you know, there are a ton of different factors that go into winning a game, but ultimately so much of at least your output you control. And that's what it's like building something as you well know. On those tough days, no one's picking up your slack, particularly in a team of uh, one. Now, again, in my business, I had a handful of folks around the table, but everyone had their own vertical. So that was just, it was really cool. And again, you felt really, you felt like you had a close knit team again. Um, so that was really cool. And I had never done anything entrepreneurial before. I never even had a lemonade stand to hear all about the founders. You know, I was, I had my own paper route. I was a lemonade salesman. I never did any of that. And when I had kind of first got the call, actually, when I first got the call to start working on this project before really anything had gotten going, it was from our CEO and just wanted ideas. He said, Hey, Mac, you're an athlete. I'm thinking about this problem. I'd like to solve it. What do you think? I think we spent like two hours on the phone and another one more time on the phone. And then we agreed to run it the thing together. And so that was pretty cool. And that was again, another full steam ahead type of deal. So I forget what your question was, but you know, <laughs> building anything, even for a short period of time is just incredible, man. So exhilarating. You know, I'm doing, doing some building now in a, in a different way, but building and having equity and ownership, there's nothing like it. Special. Yeah, it's special, dude. Special. Special. Especially when you hit it, like so many of these people have, have hit it, but it's so hard. Musk, so Elon said something maybe in a recent 60 Minutes interview or maybe just recently. Uh, he said, more often than not, being a founder, being an entrepreneur sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's true again. He has su such a different perspective than I or, and you and many, but um, and has, and has hit the infinite scale. But the reality is so hard. And that, I think that's why it's great. It's so hard. And any, any incremental win, you know that you were so responsible for that. So that feels pretty cool. Yeah. And I think going back to football too, those hard days, those hard workouts, camp, yep. they set you up. Yeah. I just did a nine to five, but right. I can sit for four or five more hours. Yeah. This is nothing compared to exactly pushing sleds at yes. 5 a.m. in the exactly. 20 degree weather. Right. Right. And you learn so many new skills. I mean, so like, many new, you learn everything, right? You learn everything. I mean, what you're learning, what, all that you've built with Lumity and all that you've worked with developing, it's just crazy how much you learn to now launching, learning how to edit and run and market a podcast, like incredible, incredible skills. So many of the skills, if not all the skills that I learned in building replay, I'm, I'm carrying with me today. So it's just. It's a super, super powerful exercise to build anything. And I would, I would implore any young person to think about building something, whatever that is, book club, like, you know, we've tried, you know, like we did and evolved into Lumity, right. <laughs> um, just build anything. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be your full-time thing, but oh, just, yeah. uh, like you said, that exercise is, right. is a powerful one. And yeah, you, you're the only one or one of three or doing everything. Yeah. So you have to learn these new skills and it gets so frustrating, but it's, but it's a lot of fun. And if you can have a, even though as hard as it is, yeah. as hard as it can be in the day to day, if you can have a 
widened out enough right. view, a zoomed out enough lens, you'll know that these skills will translate totally. and this learning curve is, is worth going yep. through. Totally. And yeah, it can be applied to, to anything. Yep. Anything. I think it just, it just rounds you out as a person. Right. right. Um, yeah. What's your biggest learning building Lumity? My biggest learning. <laughs> Damn. Put me on the spot. <laughs> put me on the spot. Tails turn. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think exactly that, man. Just the the ability to get shit done mm. and figure it out. Yeah, like we have a we have a capacity to figure things right. out, and if you work hard enough at it, you'll see the results. And again, I mean, thinking about, it, I had no tech experience. I was a, went to a business school, economics and finance right. major, no tech experience, no marketing experience, right. Right. no. Now in the podcast, like no public speaking, no video editing, right. none of this. But if you're, if you're curious enough and you're willing to lean into these things and learn, you can figure it out. Yeah. And I mean, I, thinking about it now, like the, this is kind of some of what a common theme with some of the stuff Griffin spoke on too, in in our episode and yeah, if you give yourself enough time and you give yourself a chance to learn you can do it. And totally. if there's going to be a learning curve, totally. no matter, no matter what, yep. um, no doubt about it, but put in enough work, put in enough time. And if you care enough about it, you can, you can yeah. get it done. Yeah. But Griffin said about cutting the learning curve is so powerful because that's what you continuously do as an entrepreneur is you're cutting the learning curve yeah. uh, or abbreviating or whatever you said. So yeah. Accelerating. Accelerating the learning curve. Yeah. Cause you just got to learn so many new things and the more new things you learn that in and of itself is a skill mm -hmm. and how quickly you can perfect or come close to perfecting a skill is a skill. Yeah. And then you compound those wins too. You, it gets easier to accelerate right. each new learning curve as you've accelerated one exactly. already. Yeah. And those, those wins build confidence. You edit a video decently and you're like, damn, okay, I'm kind of good at yeah, video yeah, editing now. Yeah, like, yeah. What else? What else can right. I learn? And that's what I've been trying to do is each podcast improve yep. just a little bit, make one improvement to right. to each episode and continue to build yep. that way. And it's hard. Again, patience is important, but you speak things to existence when sure. you're building something, like even hearing you just saying, I'm getting pretty good at editing. Yes, you are, but you're also I'm you're not getting good at editing. But you're, you know, you're speaking. You're, <laughs> I'm doing good enough. But <laughs> you're, you're speaking into existence. Yeah, you absolutely. have to. As again, when you're a team of one or a team of three, you have to keep self-promoting. So there's a lot of power in yeah that confidence is necessary. Rachel and I were at a wedding in Puerto Rico last summer, and it was a friend of the groom, and he he lives in L.A. and has done some media work been in ads and then he said something along the lines of what was that big football show that people love or the kids were from Compton Martin loves it what's the show it was a drama whatever they're like hey are you in that show and he said yep I'm in that show and we're like are you really he's like nope but I'm speaking into existence <laughs> it wasn't power but you know it was whatever <laughs> uh, I'm in power are you really nope but I'm speaking into existence. I thought that was super cool that stuck with me uh, that of is course, dope. he yeah. was a super, yeah, it was super cool. But yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of self promoting. Yeah. And even just calling yourself that, like yeah, I struggled totally. for a long time, but people ask you, what do you do? It's 
it's you, it takes a while to build up the courage to be like, I'm a founder yeah. or I'm building a company yeah. or right. those types of things. But, right. but when you do it and you say it, right. you hear yourself say it, you start to really yeah. believe it and you start to, exactly. and once you have that belief, then you can start really generating some action. Totally. 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 So from your experience is building a startup an art or a science? Ooh, good question. I think it's both for sure. There's a lot of, technicality that goes into building a startup and building one well, you know, whether it's filing as a Delaware C Corp and learning how to do that and filing your 83 B elections, all those things are, those are, those are technical steps. Uh, but then probably more than anything, what's an art? Cause you're just, you're ebbing and flowing, you're figuring out what works, what doesn't work. Uh, how do you work with this co-founder, but how do you work with that co-founder? So there's just an art, such an art to it. Again, relationships are really important, but again, just the really, really technical skills to learn, depending what your business is, but learning social media, which is something I had never done before. I, I controlled our socials at replay and that was a really cool skill to learn. You know, that's the skill itself isn't technical, but it's a technical skill learning how to build a sales funnel. I had never even heard that term, you know, before I started building or marketplace tmv or whatever you know whatever you know all these technical terms that you need to master particularly as you're raising money and things but regardless i think it's both an art and a skill again i was not a good one necessarily so maybe not a good person to ask ask elon but yeah <laughs> i think there's there's certainly lots of both yeah i agree i agree and i won't take credit for the question jay lou <laughs> oh nice jay lou shout out jay lou I hope you have an episode soon, so stay tuned. Legend. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it is a blend of both. There yeah. is some science to it just in the fact of you have to hit certain numbers, yeah. you know, like you said, registering, like there yeah. are certain just things that you right. have to do and there's formulas already out right. there to follow and things like that. Yeah. But your specific right. avenue, right. niche is is more of the art side of things. Sure. Right. How you in particular and your team Depending the, now that I think about it too, depending the position on the team, the founding team. Very true. I was, maybe what I was building was more of like an art. Again, how you're building a, a sales pop pipeline, how you're getting both supply and demand side on the marketplace. But our CTO who was building everything, uh, that's pretty technical. So who knows? I think probably different people would have different answers. And I'd love to ask what Jay Lou has to say. And I wonder if he asks that to each founding team that pitches him. If I was in venture, that would be my final question. You know, hey, what do you think is founding an art or a science? Let's see how they answer. That'd be an interesting one. Would be an interesting one. So talks a little bit about your overall positive experience and the exhilaration of it and all the things you're able to learn and take away and the skills you're able to build. But a key theme with with passion fruit is inquiring about how you live out a passionate life and thus far from my conversations and from my own personal experiences it seems a common theme and thread in it all is having to bet on yourself and sometimes mm -hmm. being willing to step away from certain things and abandoning the current mountain that you're on sure and begin climbing a new one yeah and i think for you some of the most transformational times were when you decided to step away from work in general mm -hmm. 
take a little bit of a sabbatical and travel to Europe. Yep. What goes into that decision? Again, you were in a comfortable role outside looking in a pretty, pretty good spot. And again, you spoke to it as the, the position you gave up football for. Sure. It's a great question. I think you used the term just betting on yourself, just knowing what's right for yourself. And again, not worrying about what others are thinking of you or what others will think of your decision. If you feel pretty good about, Hey, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to get there by doing this. Just do it. You'll make, make decisions at full speed. Certainly takes lots of thinking and lots of maybe introspection and chatting with family and people you depend on and some prayer perhaps, but just betting on yourself. And if you're finding yourself in a situation that's maybe now not as optimal as it was six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, hey, cool, great, great part of life. I'm going to end this one here and go start something new. I've done that a few times. And again, like you said, people may look at, what is he doing? Who cares? I'm doing me and I'm going to, I'm going to make my decision. It takes confidence to bet on yourself and then execute and say, hey, I'm going to go do this next thing and it's going to go exactly how I want it to go. It doesn't always go exactly how you want it to go, but generally hard work, good timing and plenty of luck. You can get yourself into the situation that you want to get yourself into. And I've been able to do that a few times, thankfully, very luckily, ended my time at replay, ended my time working in advance and said, hey, I'm ready for something new, but why don't I take this time while I'm trying to figure it out to do some travel. I had never been to Europe. I'd only been out of the country a few times. Rachel was in a position where she could also take some time. And we said, let's go do this. And I was with you in Florida, was in the water and said, man, I love the water more than anything in life. I'm not super content with where I currently am at this moment. Let me go put myself in a great situation. And again, I think I chatted about Charlie Callan before Charlie's building something super neat, you know, world changing idea. And he spent a ton of time in the Adriatic. I always saw really, really cool content from him being on the water. And again, I love the water, as you know, <laughs> and I said, man, where can I go get in the water like that? I thought of Charlie. <laughs> I thought of this incredible blue sea that I kept seeing and said, I want to go do that. And I said, I want to go live in Croatia for two months. We had a fun day, <laughs> interesting and fun day <laughs> uh, at the beach the rest of the day. And then we were, you were driving me back to Anna Marie Island. I think I called Charlie and said, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Or I texted and then he called and I kind of just made the decision after, well, I guess that was even before Rachel and I had chatted, but she was, she was, she went right along and she was jumping aboard. And if she didn't, they couldn't have done it up of course. So that was fantastic. And within, I think like six weeks, we left work. It worked out really well. Our lease was up in the city and we just did it. And we, traveled for nine weeks. I think we did 11 different countries. I should say we traveled Europe for nine weeks, did 11 different countries, and then came back to Canada. I had four or five weddings, had an amazing West Coast Canadian trip. I had never been to that part of Canada. Just had an amazing, amazing bunch of months. Ended up being nine months before I started work again. Timing couldn't have worked out any better. Uh, I got some amazing skiing done in the back half of that sabbatical, if you will. Uh, yeah, just bet on myself that, hey, I'm going to 
one, I'm going to figure out what I want to do. And two, I'm going to get into another decent situation and just, again, keep betting on myself. Had some really cool conversations throughout the course of that summer about what I wanted to do. Again, really wanted to build. It was so inspired by being an entrepreneur and building something. I said, that's what I want to do. I thought I wanted to join another small team, someone that had scaled a little bit more than we had at Replay, had found a little bit more product market fit, maybe had raised some, some meaningful capital. Didn't find a problem that I really wanted to solve. Had a cool opportunity to join Morgan Stanley and took about three months to really get that over the goal line. But again, continuously betting myself, trusting the process. I had friends who were like, are you sure you're going to work there? Are you sure you have an opportunity? I said, yeah, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. And just have a ton of faith. You know, when you, when you work hard and you put yourself in the right situations, the last ingredient is just having faith and confidence in yourself. Keep betting on yourself, man. <laughs> double up, double up, lever up. I one of the really powerful messages that I took from one of my favorite books, Shoe Dog, the Nike story, said Phil Knight, man, just kept levering, man. just kept levering, you know? Had 10 different banks at one point to buy his inventory to make shoes, and he knew he was going to sell them. And banks stopped loaning him money, but he kept finding new banks. It's just incredible. So I'm going to get leverage. I'm going to keep levering. And keep betting on myself. You know, I don't want to bet on anybody else. And I don't want anybody else bad betting to affect me. So I'm going to have faith and do me. Where does that confidence come from in betting on yourself? My faith, for sure. God has been so good to me. And for lots of folks, people think that sounds weird. Again, I don't care. But I've just been so blessed in so many ways and understand that I was born in a really good situation and haven't had a lot of th bad things happening. I've had a good life. So I'm going to keep betting and be optimistic that life's going to keep being pretty good and hopefully keep getting better up into the right. And the hard times that I have had, I've been able to, we, my family, my friends you know, have been able to push through. So that's... That's where I get that confidence because there've been enough hard times, certainly, but those just feel like so temporary. So faith in my God, but then faith in myself. But I think my blessed life, uh, it's pretty easy to have faith Yeah. in that instance. Plenty of people feel differently. And I'd love to have, would love to have conversations with people who think I'm crazy, but that's my answer to your question. Yeah. I love it. I think, I think that's major. And I think once you do it once, the first one, you got to take that leap of faith. Yeah. You just got to take a jump. Yep. And bet on yourself. Yeah. And again, a resounding theme in my life thus far has been we humans just have a way of figuring things out. Right. Like yep. That resiliency that you spoke to, we just have a way of figuring it out and trusting that you're a part of that. Yep. Right. And you have the ability to, to figure it out and to get through whatever this mm -hmm. little thing is. And I think once you make one jump, it becomes yeah. a little bit easier to make totally. another and to make another and to continue, like you said, doubling down on yourself. Totally. Because if not you, who who's going to bet on you? Who else? Like, exactly. And I think, again, that's an important thing that I like to speak to and like to uncover in these conversations is the different ways people yeah. have bet totally. on themselves. Totally. The different ways you just explored how to build 
the life you want to live. And it takes betting on yourself yep. to really shape that out. And again, the ultimate reward yep. of betting on yourself is living the life yep. you want to live. And it it's takes jackpot. some sac the jackpot. Yeah. And yeah, again, it's been cool to see you yep. take those leaps and the, the leaps I've been able to be a part of. It's a good point. That in of itself maybe is a skill, but more important, that's just reps, you know, reps. I've now repped that a few times. Practice just like perfect. Yeah. Practice makes perfect. Man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you mentioned the Adriatic Sea and Croatia being yeah. top of the list. Did it deliver? What was your, what was your favorite part of Europe? And it's the worst question to ever ask. I'm going to ask. No, God, right. dude. Uh, everything over delivered for sure. It was so special. Most importantly, to be traveling with my best friend and Rachel. That was incredible. That felt like we were really doing something together. When we moved to New York, actually, that was the first time we were really doing something new together. We had lived together, you know, on Anne Island, but life is pretty easy when you're living on a beach. <laughs> but then when we moved to New York and it felt like we did New York City together, that was really cool. But then traveling together, and she was so amazing, man. You know me. I don't plan like she does, and she is so good operationally. So she planned the whole thing, literally the whole thing. I gave some suggestions all along the way, but she planned the whole thing. So we'd gotten to London. I had never been to London, man. We hung out with her best friend, which was incredible, who lives and plays soccer in London. I went to London thinking I could live in London or want to live in London. I walked away thinking London is an amazing city, but probably would, wouldn't want to live there. We then went to Greece. We did a week and a half in Greece, and Greece is just the most amazing, one of the most amazing places I've ever been. A handful of different islands. Uh, I tell people now, if you ever feel like you need to be revitalized, you've had a really hard six months, a year, go to Greece and really feel refreshed. We were on the islands, of course, so it's a little bit easier than maybe mainland, you know, Athens. But being on the water, the Greeks are really, really hospitable people. They you know, love to serve the people visiting their islands. Uh, they just were really generous. So that was incredible. Again, just Rachel and I, this was in May. So it was a bit before their summer season. So we had almost every island to ourselves when we visited. So that was really cool. I guess I don't need to go through the whole list, but Italy was absolutely incredible. We then spent five or six nights in Italy. We flew into Rome. Our first, my first touchdown in Italy was in Rome and we had pizza and pasta. And I was like, man, this just feels so cool being in Rome, like pizza and pasta got to Rome and you know, after spending, we only spent 24 hours there the first time around. Rome was kind of our jumping off airport, but I thought, man, I could live in Rome. It had the history of the oldest city in the world, but also felt like a bustling new age things were happening type of city. So I thought it was really, have you been, you haven't been to Rome? I have not been to right, Europe. Right. Right. So. so yeah, you'll have to get, you'll, you'll get to Europe of course and you'll experience these, these things. We did four or five nights in the Amalfi coast, which is really cool. Just, Again, the water, man, it's just so incredible. It's so powerful. Water, in my opinion, is the most powerful force on earth. And swimming in the Mediterranean, almost life-changing. It's not your typical American beach, obviously, where there's lots of, or maybe not obvious, but it's not your American beach where there's tons and tons of sand. You're sitting on rocks and you're finding out how to make yourself comfortable literally sitting on sharp <laughs> rocks. And, and oftentimes there's like these concrete platforms. Sometimes they have chairs, but you bring a towel, you bring beer and snacks and you just hang the whole day. I brought my goggles and <laughs> spent hours in the water. You jump off rocks and 
it was incredible. We did Croatia, like I said, for nine nights. Havar, Dubrovnik, and Split, three of their major destinations. All really neat. Game of Thrones fans need to go to Dubrovnik. That's where they shoot most of, or a lot of Game of Thrones, I should say. It's a really cool old city, you know, fort-like walled city. Really cool. Water was incredible. We went to Southern France. Marty met us in South yeah, of France. It was incredible. Yeah. We were in Nice for a couple of nights. We went to Montpellier. We went to Monaco for a night. We went to Barcelona for four or five nights, which was incredible. Maybe had our favorite beach day experience. Some of our best Toronto friends who came and visited us, which is super cool. We had people meet us along the way, which is really cool. Yeah, we met sweet. some. We met some friends in Florence, which is incredible. So yeah, man, that that Mediterranean lifestyle is for real. So so awesome to be on the water like that. And those people seem to to live pretty healthy lives, especially on the Amalfi Coast. All these older Italian folks, men and women, they all look like they're in pretty good shape. They're walking up hundreds of stairs a day. Their food seems not to be overly processed. They're eating fish. They're catching themselves. It's pretty cool. It's really, really cool. It's a lot different than how we live here, obviously, uh, but it's really, really neat. And then we finished, we had a couple days where we hadn't planned. We knew we were flying out of Dublin back to Canada. And the folks that we were with in Barcelona said, hey, you got three or four days, why not go to Scotland? We said, Scotland? What? Hadn't even thought of it. That was that would have been the one place that Rachel had not been. She's traveled to Europe pretty extensively, so she had been to all the places that we had been. Maybe not the particular city mm -hmm. or setting, but at least the country. She said, I've never been to Scotland. We said, okay, I'm Scottish. So I thought, okay, yeah, pretty cool. We booked flights, I think on a Sunday for a Monday morning flight. Flew into Scotland, did one night in Edinburgh, which is really neat. We stayed in a hostel. That was our first and only hostel. That was my first and only hostel experience. The Who was playing their 50th reunion tour. Maybe it was the Eagles, whoever it was. I was playing their 50th reunion tour in Edinburgh. So everything was sold out. So we spent a night in a hostel. Hostel. It's pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and then we were wanting to hit a few different towns and cities throughout what's called the Northwest Highland Tour. Actually, I think that's the or the Highland tour. And instead of finding three or four Airbnbs, we rented a sleeper van or sprinter van and drove for four nights. And it was just, it was incredible. We got super lucky, amazing weather. I guess Scotland is much like in England and Seattle. It rains a ton. It rained only one of the you know, four days we were there. We just saw the most beautiful greenery and lush landscape that I had ever seen. And it was, we were in the car like eight hours a day and it felt like nothing. That van life's different. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, talking <laughs> to a guy who spent six months in a van. Um, it's just, it was so incredible, man. Scotland was incredible. Swimming in all the locks, the beautiful lakes. People were super nice. It was just, yeah, it was really neat. Food was not fantastic, but whatever, didn't matter. In Scotland? Yeah. But we were cooking out, we were cooking out of our sprinter van like half the time, but haggis ain't hitting for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was incredible. Yeah. And I know driving is now your happy place. So doing that with Rachel felt like our happy place, you know? Yeah, especially when you're going through that type of landscape, yeah. it, it can uh, make you forget that you're behind the wheel. Yeah. Not in an unsafe way, but. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Too. Well, actually, Rachel was upset with me, frankly, a lot of the ride because I'm looking out. And it's Scotland, so you're driving on the, on the left side. side of the road, 
ton of roundabouts in Scotland, so you're going the other way around. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. That makes it tricky. Oh, it was it was tricky, and I'm, like, looking out. Rachel's, like, slapped me in the head. <laughs> so... So what do you what do you learn about yourself or what did you learn about yourself in that nine month time period slash yeah. your your time in Europe? Good question. Um, what do you learn about yourself? You learn that you want to work and grind. We weren't grinding or working <laughs> um, by any means for the well. I shouldn't say that. When we got back to Canada, I pretty immediately got to work on wanting to find out what was next. So we we were working, but again, you realize like, Hey, this is great. Literally vacationing and traveling for nine, 10 weeks is amazing. Believe it or not, it is, it can be a little tiresome, but you realize, okay, yeah, I want, I want to go strive for something. And again, I want to build something. So I think that's probably what we learned about ourselves. But then again, also like you learn that you're pretty resilient and when you make good bets and your decision quality is good. Your outcomes are generally favorable. And again, the bet was we're going to leave work. We're going to go find a job pretty soon after we get back. Both luckily did. And really we learned, hey, do what you want to do. In the grand scheme of a hundred year life, six months, nine months of not working is not the end of the world. We had saved appropriately for a long time. and Whatever. I had just, I just chatted with a kid, maybe it was a month ago who just got let go at work and he's, he's been without a job for now several weeks. And I said, dude, in the grand scheme of your 50 year working career, eight weeks is not going to make the difference. You'll be all right. Mm -hmm. So I think that was interesting perspective to have that yeah. one life's not all about work, but two, you'll be all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coming from somebody that just did it for nine months. Like. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah. And I think, I think to your point too, about getting back to the, the work when you're when you're able to find something that you actually enjoy doing and that fills you up right. like i struggle with we talked a little bit about it but i struggle with the idea of retirement because i hope that i'm doing what i want to be doing and there's always some level of work that can be done and it's and, and that i don't know that varies on different people but and it's a stoic ryan holiday talks about it all the time but it's a stoic principle and it was a quote from marcus Aurelius. he's like the bumblebee gets up every morning and goes and makes honey. <laughs> I forgot the full quote, but we're, we're animals, we're humans, we're, we're supposed to work. We're not yeah. just supposed to lay around all day. Right. And I think the context is why are you staying under the covers? Like sure. get up, get to work. Sure. And I took a six month yeah. <laughs> hiatus, you know what I mean? <laughs> I took my fair share of time, but, but it does, you do start to get, get a little itchy. I, I don't want to do this forever. I want to get back to being productive sure. in some, some yeah. way, shape, or form. Everyone's different. Others may not feel that way. But I agree with you. you got to yeah. be doing something. Mm -hmm. Idle hands are usually doesn't amount to good, mm -hmm. I think. How long was your trip? And remind me how many states. I'm sure I add two states each time I tell the story. But <laughs> how long was the trip? How many states did you hit? How many miles? So... August to mid December, so it was really like four and a half months. Okay. Thirty four states. Okay, nice. I think I'm now at forty five, so only five left. Nice. Alaska, Hawaii, Michigan, which I don't know why it's Michigan, Nebraska, which hold me to this. 
I'm trying to go to Warren Buffett yeah. shareholder or cool. Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting. So yeah. going to cross Nebraska off soon. Hopefully Hawaii as well. Yeah. Now I'm in California, Alaska, Hawaii, Michigan, Nebraska. And what's the other one? Oh, North Dakota. Okay. Yeah. I've been to South Dakota and South Dakota is beautiful. South cool. Dakota is beautiful, but not North Dakota. 17,000 miles on, on the Prius. <laughs> 17. On the bait. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. But like you said, you're driving through and it, it really helps. I mean, I was more city life on the East Coast. Once I broke West, I was seeing beautiful shit every day. It was to the point where I didn't even want to be on the phone when I was driving because I felt like it would take away right. from me being able to see what I was driving through in the beautiful landscape. So when you're doing those types of trips, driving doesn't right. feel like, like a, a burden. When you're stuck in traffic on the 405 in California, driving is a little differently. But, but to your point, like my car, my Prius, I will be a, I value relationships and I usually don't value inanimate objects yeah. too much. I'm not very, I drive a 2009 Prius, so not a big materialist person, but that will be a sad day when, because uh, she, it is my happy place in nice. my car. Like sometimes I'll just be sitting in there, I'm just like, damn. We've been through a lot. <laughs> That's the truth. 17,000 miles. Crazy. Yeah, it's at like 230 right now. Crazy. Um, speaking of things that mean a lot to you, mm-hmm. Rachel, we've spoken about her a few times and give you the chance to earn some points here. <laughs> what What does Rachel mean to you? And what does it mean to, to have found your person? Yeah, everything for sure. To your point, feels like you found your person. Nobody else that at this point I could imagine doing life with that I'd want to do life with. That would be a better partner to do life with. She's incredible in so many ways, has made me better in so many ways, has taught me so many things. I think we've taught each other. We've taught each other, but she's so emotionally intelligent, really empathetic. I think maybe that's, if there's anything, she's taught me how to be empathetic, more empathetic. She's so, so understanding. So not judgmental, which I can be at times. She's just a great, a great partner. Feels really cool to now call her my wife. You know, we were together three years, three, four years before, you know, we were engaged and then married. For so much of that time, calling her my girlfriend was underrepresenting, you know, the value in her life. So now it feels good to say, okay, this is my wife. Full speed ahead, full speed ahead on life. For me, that felt like now that that turn has been hit like it's just full speed ahead so she's the greatest for sure yeah i agree and i think like you said the term partner yeah and i think you two really embody that and i think that's the most important yeah. thing is it's not just a girlfriend right or a wife or a yeah. husband or spouse whatever it's it's a partner it's the person you're taking life on with yeah. teammate and you guys complement each other very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important. It's been cool to be able to see you all two grow together. And yes, she <laughs> certainly certainly helps helps you reel you in on some of this stuff. Yeah, reel me in. It's quite funny to see the interactions. Reel me in. But yeah, yeah, she's special. Yeah. And, I'm, I'm... and her family's amazing. I got so lucky. You don't always get, you certainly don't get to choose who your in-laws are, but you don't always get lucky. But I've now married into an amazing family. Uh, that's so much different than mine. My, I have an amazing family, but it's been neat. 
you know, they, they had a really big family. My family was small, so it feels neat to now feel like I have a big family, brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws, kids now, which is really cool. It's been neat. We're, I've now basically been around just long enough to see the births of two nieces and nephews, which is pretty dang cool. Yeah. That's special. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to... You gave her a lot of credit throughout, so I wanted to... Totally. I, I think Rage, it's nice thank play. you. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Rage. I got you. But yeah, I think it's a nice way to wrap and just... Cool. Again, the, you building and designing this life for yourself and doing the things that it took to get here. Mm -hmm. And now that you have this, this partner by your side yep. to continue to move the ball forward and full speed ahead. Yep. It's pretty beautiful, powerful, amazing yeah totally so get into a little bit of the i'm rebranding this it's not rapid fire because there are some more thoughtful okay. questions than than rapid fire but some the idea the idea behind it is just to say what you feel sure what, what you're thinking um i have a hard time saying what i feel as Rachel. <laughs> but but yeah think about some of the answers yeah but yeah so i gotta rebrand this um so if you guys have any suggestions, sure. Yeah. Let me know. Ask the audience. Number one book recommendation at present. Into the Wild, I think, is <laughs> gonna be forever my hey, read this book, man. It catalyzed you, I think, to to take your trip. It's just such a powerful book for those who aren't familiar. John Krakauer, Into the Wild, is about a young guy who did something not similar, did exactly what Jeff did, drove across the country, throw thorough, like lived off the land and just really got deep. And that was just an amazing, amazing read. Yeah. It uh, definitely inspired me a bit. Yeah. Didn't want to go to the extremes, right. but right. Yeah. He went yeah. to extremes. Um, but yeah, he, he definitely inspired me and yeah. Appreciate the book. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, best piece of advice you've ever received. I heard you ask Griff this. So I thought about it myself. Maybe you asked Mikey too. And Brianne, again, cliche perhaps, but my 13U travel baseball coach told me or wrote on my end of season performance card, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And again, that pretty quickly, I think at that point, instilled in me, hey, you got to work hard no matter how good you are. Now, there's some dudes that don't have to work hard. God bless them. The guys that we watch on TV. Some of them, I mean, yeah, they still work hard. But you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but talent doesn't always win out, but hard work usually does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just consistency. Yes, getting in there, love it. Maybe number two, if if you let me give you an yeah. unsolicited number two, is be your own biggest fan. Again, it's hard, and people struggle, but try to get and try to win as much self-confidence as you can. I think self-confidence is such a powerful force, partly because it's hard to get, retain. But if, if you've got a lot of self-confidence, I think more often than not, you win. Yeah, I mean, just betting on yourself. Yeah, really, right. Being your biggest fan. Right. Speaking those things into existence. Right. Speaking confidence into yourself. Yeah, you got to. Because yeah. again, if not you, who? If not you, who? Cool. One podcast, YouTube channel, content creator in general that you follow. Yeah. Um, I listen to the All In Pod Weekly. I think those guys are great. One of the nichier pods that I listen to is Meat Mafia. 
so you and Mikey won't like this, but uh, <laughs> it's all about, well, there's a lot, frankly, lots of topics discussed, but I really appreciate when they talk about regenerative farming, grass versus grain-fed beef, grass-finished. It talks a lot about, you know, about beef quality, it talks a lot about processed food, and that's something I care deeply about, is nutrition. And they talk about mental, spiritual, emotional health, uh, but I love that it talks so deeply about nutrition and how to get good nutrition, how to avoid foods. So the Meat Mafia, those guys are out of Austin. They're pretty good. I think they're both also college athletes. They're building a great podcast and great brand. I think they've launched now a few products. They seem like good dudes. And that stuff is super interesting too, just the, the regenerative farming and, yep. like you said, grass-fed. And yeah, I'm vegan, but I yep. so that's the type of right. meat and that's the type of agriculture that I yep. do support. Yep. And it'll be cool to see how that continues to play out. And it'll be really cool looking back at my conversation with Ian, how lab grown meat compares to some right. of this. And we, we just got lab grown meat. It will be a, a substitute, but also like a compliment. Those things will still be around. And right. I think when you take away some of the commercial farming, you open the door for more of right. this regenerative farming. Totally. So we'll be interested to, to yeah. maybe and that's a whole and learn a little bit more about them. Yeah. And some of the stuff they speak to. Who's the best athlete you've ever played with? Oh, that's a good question. Aside from me. Yeah, for sure you. <laughs> best athlete I've ever played with. Any sport? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, that's a great question. Best athlete I've ever played with. Well, I think Justin Simmons, who's, you know, an all pro safety with Denver, is probably the best athlete I've ever played with. We were both in college together. He, I think he had Division One basketball offers out of high school. You know, so the kid is just a freak. He's a fantastic athlete. Working through the pre-draft process, Portland Sutton, also with Denver, coincidentally, is a freak. Drew Mahoney, man, is one of the best, just, you know, call him a ball toucher anyway. He gets the ball. Like, he's just, you know, one of the best skill guys I've ever played with. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been lucky to play with some, some good athletes. Yeah, that's why I wanted to hear your answer because yeah. I know you've been around the block yeah. a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a fun one. I've, I haven't asked this one yet. If you had a time machine, where and when would you travel to? It's a good question. i got to give a shout out. The best athlete question to my boy from high school, Andrew wheeler Amanu, who's an amazing dude. Played soccer at Harvard. Multi-year captain. Uh, played in the MLS. He's a freak athlete. Okay. Total freak and just an amazing dude. You should actually have him on the pod at one point. Um, sorry, your question? If you had a time machine, where and when would you travel to? I've been thinking about this, not the time machine question, but thinking about how I'd like to live life. I think I'd travel to a time where you had no other option but to homestead. Everything that you needed, you had on your piece of land. You know, you raised cattle built your own home. Medicine is always the tough question, you know, what happens when you get hurt. But I think I love the idea of homesteading. Yes, I realize I can do that today, but there are other options. If I was constrained just homesteading in a place like Wyoming, I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you, do you think that's possible today? And I guess to some degree, some people do it, but I feel like technology has really yeah, opened us up to endless possibilities. Right. I think there's a reason we evolved beyond that. There's just much more efficient ways to live. 
efficient ways to live. But I think it's still possible today. I think probably, well, not probably, plenty of the world still does it today. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, I say I'd like to do that. Who knows if I'm tough enough, resourceful enough, smart enough, probably none of those things to actually do it, but it would be pretty <laughs> cool to to do it. Yeah. Especially yeah. living in the Tetons or Yellowstone. When like the buffalo are just roaming yeah. everywhere and it's just crazy. It would be a very interesting time to to get into that. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So moving towards the final section, more kind of like deep, thoughtful questions. When you're at the end of your life. <laughs> very deep. <laughs> Long time from now. Okay. But how do you want to be remembered? Just somebody that had a net. Was net positive on society that shared a lot of love, was super kind, and made people feel good. Really, those three things I could kind of give a shit about anything else. But did you make people feel good? Were you kind? And did you leave this place better than you found it? This is how I would answer that question. You're the second person I've asked this, but it's been cool to see the answers or hear the answers and then also apply that right to how you're living today and how I started it full circle. Sure. Making people feel better. Yep. You greet somebody by their name every day when you walk by them, that's going to make them feel pretty good about themselves. Hopefully. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think you continue to embody right. that. And so you're on a yep. good, a sure. good track to, to get to that and always improvements. Sure. But. And building a great family. I think. Now, maybe as I start to think about that more, I think that would, that's how you'd like to be remembered. Yeah. Having great build, family. Man. What else really matters? What else? What other type of building matters in building a great family? Yeah. David Sentner talks about that a lot because he studies right. entrepreneurs and right. countless entrepreneurs have not been good family men. Right. And are you really successful right. if you're not present in your kid's right. life or if you're not good to your wife? Exactly. Everyone defines success differently, but there are some common right. common uh, preferences there. All right, so yeah, my favorite question and the one I'd like to, to wrap on, what do you love most about life? Ooh, what do I love most about life? Happiness, maybe? Happiness and love? If that's even answers your question, but being able to experience happiness and love being able to share happiness and love and being able to get happiness and love is what I think makes life amazing. That would be my answer. And then number two, what I, what I love most about life is being able to do really cool things like skiing, swimming in the Adriatic, experiencing, but giving and receiving love and happiness. is what I love most about life. <laughs> That's a unique answer. What, what what would you say? No, no, no. I can't reveal that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I know kind of my answer. But it, just in terms of you went with the, the emotions yeah. that you feel, which, yeah, I don't think that's right. Again, that's why it's my favorite question to hear the little discrepancies of people's yeah. answers because that question overall, I think, can be summed up into a few categories. Sure. But the specific applications of the answers uh, – Yep. Been cool to uncover so yeah cool yeah sweet so thank you thank you yeah thank you for for doing this with me and 
glad we got to do it in person. You too. In the the lovely NYC apartment. Yep. Um, like I said, really full circle here from just a year and a half ago. And I guess really you've been a part of all of these these big leaps when whether it was when I was in Bradenton, you were in Anna Maria Island, Lumini came up, decided to step away from financial advising, which is also funny because now that's what you're in. Yeah. Um the drop, the launch of Lumity. Yep. Walking the streets. I'm pretty certain I posted the Instagram when we were strolling the streets. I don't cool. remember what part of the city we were in, but I'm pretty certain like I pressed send post or whatever. Cool. And yeah, now recording in the apartment and there's been countless conversations throughout, but it's been an honor to to be able to share the mic with you and to for sure to record this one and to share some of your story with people and yeah, man, I'm continue to continue to be inspired and proud to see you continue to build the life for yourself. And it's, it's really fun to watch. Yeah. And again, just speaking to the common themes of, of you as an individual, the relationships, the happiness, mm-hmm. the joy, uh, it's, it's a blessing to, to share some of those memories with you. So thanks for saying that. I feel the same way. Way to wrap. For sure. Yep. Peace. Uh, much love. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. If you enjoyed the episode, if you enjoyed our conversation, hit the button. <laughs> Can people follow you anywhere? Sure, follow me on, you know, on social. <laughs> Mac Lowry, McKay Lowry, whatever I am. Yeah, I'll put it Email. in the show notes. You're on Twitter a little bit, but not really. Yeah, not really. Nobody yeah. follows me. Yeah. And I think compliance has to sure yeah, yeah there's compliance stuff but but yeah I'll throw some of his links on on this sh- in the show notes but thank you for listening another great episode again hopefully you got something out of it learned something new got some inspiration and enjoyed listening to my boy McKay's story <laughs> so thank you Thanks, and y'all. see you next week peace.